with your hosts, Spencer Brown, Stephen Hers, and Stephen Paradise. Now, welcome to the Michigas Podcast. All right, we are back and better than ever, which says a lot more about the past than the present. Michigas 2018. We have been on a brief hiatus since late 2015. A few things have happened. And before we get into that, A, I want to introduce my co-host, Steve Herz and Stephen Paradise, the Stevens. Welcome, guys. Hello, Spencer. Good to see you. And good to see you, Mr. Herz. Thank Look, you. Nice to be good. here. You as well. And of course, I'd like to thank our sponsors. As always, Johnny Walker. Couldn't get through the day without it. Know it or not, we appreciate the help and support on the show. And a new sponsor, just in, the Morris Coupling Company. When you want superior service, Morris Coupling delivers. And with that, let's get right into it. So a lot's happened since we've last convened in 2015. For one, we have a new president. Not so new anymore. For two, Angela Merkel, no longer the reigning time person of the year. But unfortunately, one thing that has not changed is our beloved Michigan football, still mired in at best mediocrity. And so I guess, and this will be a common theme throughout the podcast, I want to see, like, where are we on things since we last met? So Michigan football, where are we? Steve Hurst, where are we? I'll tell you where we're not. We're not where we thought we were going to be, which is a dominant top-tier program. We're not beating Ohio State. We're not beating Michigan State. We're not beating Notre Dame. Where are we? I think we're on the path to permanent irrelevance or long-term irrelevance. We feel, to me, like the University of Nebraska. Great program, did some great things in the 80s and the 70s, even the 90s, but where have they been the last 20, 25 years? And that's where Michigan's been since 1997. Dice, where are we? I want to take us back a couple of years to a game at the Horseshoe and a bad spot, or at least a questionable spot. And that goes the other way, and I think the narrative is very, very different. I don't love where we are today. I don't love what I saw uh, on Saturday. But I think that if we look back over the seasons, a couple of plays go different ways. The team is in a much different position, and we're talking about uh, Harbaugh in much different light. Yeah, if if is a constant theme here. Steve Hurst, the uh, founder and CEO of If Management, so an expert on the subject. I mean, if my grandmother had, you know, she'd be my grandfather, but she doesn't. And one spot, I mean, we're nine and nine in our last 18. So not surprisingly, I take a little bit of a middle ground here. I don't think we are in permanent irrelevancy yet, but I do feel like we are 10 more, 15 years from national prominence, you know, a half decent season or two. And and again, like, where are we? I don't understand it. I have to admit I'm at total loss for where we are with Rich Rod, you know, bad fit, uh, wrong guy, wrong time, everything, you know, with the program. With Brady Hogue, probably a guy that was just out of his depth and overmatched. Here's a guy that's got a winning pedigree. He won at Stanford. He won it uh, in the NFL with the 49ers. This is the easiest of those three jobs, putting aside San Diego, uh, you know, another difficult job that he did well in. Like, what's going on? I think it's very simple. People get success and they lose the same qualities that got them to success. Some people don't, some people do. And I think Jim Harbaugh, for whatever reason, he's lost his humility, his ability to learn from those around him and to grow because the, notwithstanding what Steven said, this is a disaster. And if we lose four or five games this year and we don't fire Jim Harbaugh, we really are permanent middle we're not even a top 25 team. And that, that's pathetic at Michigan. 
I, mean, I went to the statistics of the game, and I think if you look at what cost Michigan that football game, it's third and long and some bad, bad penalties. Uh, otherwise, the statistics are, are exactly even. Again, it, what ifs, your grandmother and your grandfather are very cute. But the fact of the matter is football is a game of inches. I think that— uh, what, what, what statistics are relevant here, though? It's like saying that Donald Trump got fewer votes than Hillary Clinton, even though he didn't campaign in New York and California. So what's the relevance the, of the, the statistics? The relevance is that we look at the way Shea Patterson played in the second half. They, they, where, where was Chris Evans in the first half? Anybody know? What about, uh, what about why, Shea, why were what they not throwing the ball to Chris Evans in the first half, for example? Uh, what were they doing in the first half with a very conservative offense? I think that I don't know what that's about. I don't know what this conservativeism is about. It's about the offensive line. Let this kid roll out. He's obviously got skills. I'm optimistic we're going to see some good things out of them uh, as the year progresses. Give okay. me a predict. Like at this point, season looks like. I think they're going to win the next game. Let's take it from there. I think they're going to win the next two games. But what is it? I mean, are they going to win? Uh, you know, so Wisconsin, Penn State, Ohio State. And uh, Michigan State, two and two, three and one, we'd one be, and three. We'd be thrilled to go two and two in those two games and two. right I'm, now. I'm thrilled. Going, I'm going three and one. I'm hoping for two and two. So you're so just to sum it up, where we are, you think it's a program still growing into? I think our defense is a hell of a lot better than it played the other uh, the other game. Uh, number one, number two, I think the offense when this kid Patterson gets a couple more games on the center is going to open up a little bit more, and we'll see what he can do. I'm not very optimistic. I think that the team is on a permanent downswing. I really do. What would it take for you to uh, end it this year with Harbaugh? Four or five losses. See, I'm I'm I, I, I'm playing another hand. I actually I'm still all in on Harbaugh. I think we've got to play another few hands. I mean, there's no to me the the scary thing about where Michigan is now. Like, where are we? This is all in. We're all in. Obviously, you know, the program's not going to shut down. But if this doesn't work, you're looking at another four or five years, you know, in the wilderness. I actually think the answer is right under our noses. I, 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 got, a, I got a microphone under our nose. Speaking, speaking of all in, if you saw the Amazon documentary that our company did, All In, you would see that Don Brown was the star of that show. And I think a guy that coaches the successful side of the ball, the defense, and he has the... The heart of the team is behind him. I think that's the guy that should make the head coach. I really do. Uh, Steve and I have been discussing this over the, over the past week. I, I have to say I don't know whether Don Brown has what it takes to be a head coach. Just because you're a great coordinator doesn't mean you're going to be a great head coach. He's been a head and coach. And things that make you a great coordinator, excuse me, sometimes are not the same skills that you need to become or to be a great head coach. So I don't know that that's the answer. If Don Brown was a great head coach and someone would have hired him, I would think, before Michigan I mean, unless, hire him as a defense coordinator. Unless Harbaugh steps down, you're looking at a Brown that has the same odds of being the head coach as Don Brown, which is almost <laughs> none. Who, who, was the guy that had, who was the guy that had the guts to make someone a head coach who people didn't think could be? That was Steve Fisher, and that was Bo Schembechler. So I, think we, I know, but I think we need that kind of creativity from Ward Manuel. It's not going to happen, though. Ward Manuel's. So, I mean, it's something like, creative to make your defensive coordinator the head coach. That's not exactly reaching into your. Well, uh, it certainly is to fire your, the guy yeah, who's heart. the legend of University of Michigan, Jim Harbaugh, and bring in a guy who came from Boston College. Uh, uh, all right. There's zero chance. It's, it's not happening. happening. Let's go on. Uh, I think where we are is. You guys would rather be mired in mediocrity than, than take a risk. I think where we are is two more years of this regime, at least, and betting that he writes the ship. You know, there's got to be. There's what what data points do you see 
that the ship is being turned around at all, other than his statistical analysis of game one. Well, what, what kind of scares me <laughs> recruiting. is... Recruiting. Zero. Recruiting. Actually, I see zero data points. Well, Thank re- you. Recruiting. Recruiting is, uh, you know, is, is, is dependent on... First of all, we had a lousy recruiting class this year. With Patterson, it was probably a good class if you want to consider him a recruit. Next year, I guarantee you, if they go eight and four, what right now is a decent class is going to fall apart. So... You know, a lot rides on this. The recruiting actually kind of peaked two years ago. And then it's a question of what are you doing with the recruits? They had a lousy recruiting class in the transition year. They had two very good classes, which those guys are like sophomores, juniors, I believe. And and there's not any product to show for it. And the other thing in terms of recruiting is no offensive line recruiting. And really, I like these backs. But in the back in the day when we were there or even, you know, the championship year, Kron Higdon's, you know, the third back. Chris Evans is a utility player. There's no lead back on this team well, the either. Thing, the thing that he that he would like to do, and, and he clearly cannot do, whatever every coach wants to do, is to, to dominate on the line. And this offensive line has got to come together if there's any prayer of them turning this thing around. And you have to believe, with a couple of years now, Runyon's been there, um, the center's been there a couple of years, they have a couple of new guys that worked in. There's no reason why this can't be a dominant. I mean, that's Michigan's thing. Was, remember, we used to turn offensive lines year in and year out. Right. We'd have dominant offensive lines. Jake Long. Where did that go? Taylor that, Long, that's, the story where, that's the story of where Michigan's gone. We have, don't have that anymore. Yeah, we, but there, there's, you're not going to turn around. I mean, these guys may marginally improve. Supposedly, you know, the old cliche, never improve more than week between week one and two. But this was the same story last year. They never improved. 0-12 as far as the O-line improving. So Right. Remember when we were at Michigan, we were praying that John Cooper would never get fired because we'd beat him every year? I remember that. Yeah. That's kind of the way people feel about Jim Harbaugh. You know, we've become kind of the laughing stock of college football. What Paul Feinbaum says about us, what people are on Twitter, we're, we're a, we've become a mockery. Does that not bother you guys at all? No, I'm mortified. I mean, it, I was going back to our sponsor, Johnny Walker. We had a very significant and long meeting after the game. And even there, there's no answers. So, uh, you know, again, I sit here and think they've got to pound through this. I mean, if Harbaugh is half the coach that we thought he was at this point with four years, basically, or three and change under your belt with your entire roster, with a quarterback you've recruited, um, you got to make it happen this year. If they're not nine and three, ten and two this year, even at this point, you know, I think there's going to be real issues, especially, you know. You've got to win one of the one or two of these, you know, big games. There's no no way around that. So assuming we have unlimited resources with Stephen Ross, who wants to see Michigan win a national championship and the Dolphins win a Super Bowl before he turns 100, what do you think? What's the next step for Michigan if they do decide to move away from Harbaugh? Who do you bring in? There's there's no name out there. I have no idea. Yeah, yeah, that's not. The thing is. And again, this is why I think Michigan fans like myself are so desperate. There is no plan B here. You know, when there was – Rich Rod was sort of plan B. Hey, we're going to go with somebody that's run and gun or spread offense. You know, that's the answer. Total misfire. Then plan B is, you know, we're going to quote-unquote Michigan man. Missed on Harbaugh. You know, we get Brady Hoke. Back to man ball. Total misfire. This was the plan. Like, this was the plan. And if this doesn't work, you're looking at either – a quote-unquote hot assistant, you know, which is hit or miss. I mean, or you're looking at a mid-major coach. Look, Mark D'Antoni right up the road. It's been an unbelievable win. I mean, that program was so crappy or mediocre, so mediocre, Nick Saban left because he couldn't compete with Michigan and went to LSU and the rest is history. And D'Antoni's made that a winning program. 
So, I mean, I think you're looking at that's probably plan B is you find somebody that's doing a good job at, you know, an Urban Meyer at Bowling Green or Brian Kelly at wherever it was, Central Michigan. And uh, But that's a crapshoot, too. I would try to hire Kirk Ferentz at this point. It's too I old. Mean, quality guy. I don't know. Hey, speaking of assistants, think about Harbaugh's uh, first offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator. The guy, Maryland's out. Uh, and, and the other guy, Dredno, is gone. Right. Um, so it tells you something about maybe his even his judgment in terms of who he's hiring as his assistant coaches. Yeah, you know that Good is... segue, by the way, if you wanted to segue into uh, Mr. Meyer. But that being Coach, Urban Meyer? Yeah. Okay, let's... Uh, so, all right. What's, uh, what's, what's happened? I mean, what, what is going on at Ohio State? And what's... You know, where are we with Urban Meyer and where are we with that program? I mean, first of all, it doesn't look like anything's going on. He's been suspended for three games. They look perfectly fine. Scored, what, 60, 70 points against Oregon State. And um, he'll be back in two games, and I think everything will be back to normal, and they'll be in the college football playoff. Yeah, I, I, I think that um, – I don't want to get into the, to the details, to the, uh, the, the story itself, but it seems from what I've read that the, the, the punishment here is what they determined it should be, and, uh, and I think he's been embarrassed and chastened by it. By all accounts, I don't think he's someone who condones – uh, type of actions that the, that the assistant coach was accused of in that case. And uh, Ohio State marches on. I mean, it just seems that this is a university just marches on through scandal after scandal uh, and, and keeps on winning, um, and they know how to win. Yeah, no, I agree. I think, you know, it's like in – what was the former governor of Louisiana? Was it Edward Edwards? Yeah. Edwin Edwards, yeah. yeah, yeah. They, Edwards. They'd have to find me with a live boy or a dead girl. Like, there's, there's nothing that can, uh, that can get that guy out of there sort of like an unbelievable scandal. And I don't think this is even close. They bury this thing, they move on. Right, right. Uh, much to the detriment of Michigan football. I don't, I don't know if we'll ever see in the next five years us beating Ohio State. That's crazy. Yeah, my take is I'm glad. I do think they will have some residual downfall. But look, Michigan's got to take them out. They can't expect Ohio State to revert back or sort of revert to whatever the mean is back to them. They've got to elevate their game up to Ohio State's. And I will say this, you know, uh, I think Dice is right about this. I mean, we're, we're really obviously within a spot of that game. I mean, it, the game goes to overtime. It's a toss-up game. And even last year, I mean, we're up 14 nothing. Harbaugh had a great game plan. If any quarterback other than the one playing last year was behind center, and that was really our backup slash third string, I think we win that game too. So we have been competitive with them the last so two what, years. So what, what if we beat Ohio State last year? Then what? what? What would have happened? I think it changed a lot. I think we beat Ohio State. I think we go. I think we win our bowl game. I think they totally tanked the bowl game. And you've got a lot different uh, storyline in Oric. Probably helps recruiting. You know, I think a lot changed. I think they got to get through that game. But what about the resilience of this team and the resilience of the coach to no, be able to get I, listen, through that? Listen, I agree. This team, Ohio State you know. Team? No, Michigan. I love Michigan. I hate bad-mouthing the team. Um, I hate calling out players. But facts are facts. They're a stubborn thing. There's been no resilience on this team. Last year, four of the five games, winning in the second half, you know, lose, obviously, uh, all those games. This team has not shown any resilience going back to the Iowa game on the road. Nine and nine in your last 18. And all the losses really at critical moments – you know, where the, where the only game really that was unwinnable was Penn State ran over us. The rest of those games were all winnable. They lost all of them. Right. You know, that's 0-8 in kind of toss-up winnable games. I can't think of, and you guys, I don't know every game that, by heart. That, that, comes down to, that comes down to coaching. There's no I other agree. way to say no, it. No, it does. Look, the close games, 
not necessarily, you know, come down to coaching every game, but over a pattern, sure. Otherwise, what's what's the value of a coach? He doesn't. That's, he looks bored and unengaged, and they come out for the kickoff and they have a delay of game penalty. I mean, that, that, but so well, why do you think they're going to turn it around? What makes you think they can go three well, and one? I got to imagine that, that like, Jim Harbaugh is proud hope. enough that he's either going to turn it around or he's going to quit. But. Yeah, I think there's a better chance of him quitting, which I don't think will happen either. You know, for another year or two, but I think there's a better chance of him quitting than them moving on. I think as between the two, Harbaugh moves on before Michigan moves on. Well, Speaking of moving, well, oh, just real quick, yep. if he quits, how marketable is he really? to the NFL, in your opinion. I mean, here's a guy who couldn't get along with the 49ers despite a great record, a guy who was at the apex of his game before fumbling at Michigan. Now he's going to quit a job and a team that looks like it's lost its heart. I mean, how marketable will he be? Dice, how marketable will he be? The man took two teams to the NFC Championship game, and I think one is the – and then – Three. Th- three, three to the championship game or three of the playoffs, two to the championship game. But either way, that's that that says a lot. And he brought a team to the Super Bowl. Um, he obviously knows how to coach football. That's not the issue. And maybe really obviously, yeah. Have you seen that? Yeah, in I the have. Last four well, I years? think his track record speaks for itself. I yeah, think, I think he gets. I think if you want to get into the nitty gritty about last year, I think he had an awful offensive line and he had awful wide receivers and he had a bad quarterback who was not helped at all by his offensive line or his wide receivers. You know what bothers me? He had a really bad situation last year, and I don't know what coach could have done with that. I'll tell you what bothers me, um, one of the things, is that you talk about the wide receivers. Again, like, I don't know how to coach football. I barely know how to do what I'm doing professionally. But if I've got four freshman wide receivers and the best recruiting wide receiver class supposedly in the history of the program, if it's me, I have a wide receivers coach. That would be one thing I would do. They had no wide receivers coach last year. So, like... None of that talent developed. Two of the guys transfer. Now we got a wide receivers coach. I, I, I think he's got things he's, like listen, that concern me. Like he used to have an imaginative offensive game plan at Stanford. They ran the ball a lot, but they used to do some. They throw in some gadget plays. They had everybody on their toes. They were fast tempo. He's got to get back to that stuff. And I think this quarterback can do it. I mean, what I saw the other night, he no, can he roll looked, out. He's very athletic out of the pocket. Throws on the run. He's got he's got Evans again. I don't know that guy was probably he's always getting punished. Evans. So maybe he was uh, on the bench in the first. He half also transferred from an unranked. He transferred from an unranked Ole Miss team because he wasn't going to play there. Shea Patterson? Yes. Uh, yeah. No, it was the sanctions. No, know. he was not going Th- to that's play. That's that's their story that they're trying to tell for why he transferred. I don't buy that. But he who looked, cares? He looked pretty good. The guy was the number one recruit in the country as a high, as, as a high, as a high school senior. So any event, you wanted. To, I think you wanted to move on. So so, clearing up, moving on, M hoops. So a lot's happened. I mean, I know we're off season, but since we've last convened, a lot's happened. I think when we convened, you know, John Beeline, jury was out whether whether he could really take this program to the next level, whether he'd kind of run his course. Since then, NCAA Sweet 16, uh, two Big Ten championships, and NCAA finals. So M hoops, two things. Where are we? And John Beeline, Bo Ryan, where are we? <laughs> hers, John Beeline, Bo Ryan, where okay, are we? Let me start with hers. Bo Ryan, clearly the better resume, not even close. Dice. Uh, facts are facts, as you like to say. Stubborn things. Facts are stubborn things. I, I, I have nothing but the utmost respect for Bo Ryan. I would not say that, that one is better than the other. I think they're both excellent, excellent coaches. 14 straight NCAA appearances for one. What does Beeline have to do to, get, to be better than Bo Ryan? Reminds me, like, I was at a, a Rangers reunion once, and they had the, the goalie, Gump Worsley. And his thing was, like, no player's worth a million dollars. This was a couple years ago, like 20. Wayne Gretzky, not worth – like, what does Beeline have to do 
to be better than Bo Ryan? Well, first of all, win a national championship. All right, so that's it? Back-to-back Final Fours. I mean, I also think he needs to re- – I love John Beeline. I think he's a great coach for what he has. But he's like the president of El Salvador. He's doing the best with what he has. He's working the economy. But, you know, at the end of the day, the guy's had one top ten recruiting class in his career. You know? So this is Michigan. This year we had the 12th ranked recruiting class, right, which the, is great. The president I, of El Salvador. I, you know, the, I haven't been to the College Basketball Hall of Fame in a while, um, but I didn't realize that they have a new category uh, for coaches with the most top ten recruiting classes. I didn't realize that's how they measure excellence in coaching. I measure it in a much different way. I measure it by looking at does your law firm the, does your law firm hire measure, the best lawyers it can get, or, or by, just the ones that it can get its hands on? By how the coach turns a team around, how the players grow under that coach as a team and individually, how they play defense. But you do um, not think recruiting is other, an important part of the how job. They ultimately, perform. And if you look at any of those measures, there, there is. I don't say he's the best. I'd say there's none better than John Beeline in the business today. And I'm backed up by many, many analysts calling the best game coach out there. Look at the way. They come into after timeouts, the way the Michigan team, the plays that they run after timeouts are inevitably successful plays that are conceived by Beeline. Look at the miracle tie game shot that they had this past season and the play that was drawn up for that. The man is, is a brilliant coach, a brilliant tactician, and better than all that, he's a great human being who recruits players to our school that make us proud, and they will never embarrass us. I think he's I close. Put a high premium on that. I think, he, I, think, I think he and Bo Ryan were getting close to toss-up range. I do think Beeline, if he won a championship, would make it in any way, but would solidify his place in uh, in Springfield. And I think that program's close. You know, good recruiting class coming in, and because he hasn't had top ten recruiting classes, a lot of the guys are staying three, four years. And uh, you know, it's interesting. It's interesting that I have a lot more confidence in where he's taking the program than the football program, which I never thought would be the case. Um, it's it's kind of a stunning turn of events. All right, I got two more. In our, uh, in our remaining time of kind of where are we and, uh, and what I want to get to. One is, since we've last convened, since that's kind of our marker, um, you know, the National Anthem wasn't a controversial thing in the NFL, I don't believe, at the end of 2015. Not the case anymore. Like, where are we with Kaepernick and players kneeling? Let's deal with it, like, kind of separately. Where are we with Kaepernick? Where do you think we are? I don't think anybody's going to sign him. I think he will continue to file you know go through with his lawsuit i don't know what'll happen with that i don't see him winning but i'm not sure and i think this will continue to be a problem for the nfl and now what nike's doing is going to continue to create a rift i mean the fraternal order of police largest police uh, order came out with a very strong statement last night it's it's not gonna there's a whole hashtag you know boycott nike so this is not getting any this is a big fault line here d-man uh, as far as Kaepernick goes, I mean, I think that, um, that he and, and Trump feed off each other, and I think that the, the players on both sides of this of this issue are are not well. I would say the players are are enabling Trump to use them for his political purposes, and he's a he's a he's brilliant at it. Uh, he's simply brilliant at it, and I think that they have to really think long and hard at whether their their ultimate goal here is being served and their ultimate objective is being served, because I think right now. He's serving them and uh, using them to uh, to catapult himself um, with his with his um, uh, supporters. Do you so, think Do you think this guy's been blackballed from the NFL? Kaepernick? Yes, absolutely. You think he's been blackballed from the NFL? I mean, I do, but I don't think it's anything nefarious. It's like if somebody came into your office and said, 
I don't like Cadence 13 or something that you stand for and was in the middle of your hallway kneeling or the equivalent, you wouldn't want them in your business. So I do think they've blackballed him. But I, again, I don't, I'm not familiar enough with the law, but I don't think it's in the same realm that, that happened with baseball with the collusion several years ago. Yeah, I mean, I, it's interesting. Maybe it's not interesting. The way I see it is it's really a workplace issue. Right. The way I see it, that, you know, the owners are basically telling these guys, hey, I'm going to pay you a ton of money. You got to do this. And but they're really, of- they're really not. That's the problem. You have Jerry Jones. You have other owners. You have Woody Johnson saying, go do what you want. It's, it's not a united front by well, any means. Well, that's true. But, I mean, each that's a good point. Each team is, in essence, a separate business. But the, know, the, but the fan base in the nation doesn't understand that, and that's the problem. There are some owners telling their players, you have to do this. And I think in that instance, it's a workplace issue. The same way if I tell someone at work not to wear you know, a MAGA hat, I don't care what they do outside the office. If I don't want that in the office, I think that's my right as an employer to say, hey, not in the office. And I think... But under I, the collective bargaining agreement, do they does, work for the NFL or do they work for the team? Who governs? That's a great question. I believe it's the league. It's right. collective, that's the collectively point. bargaining with the league. I'm not, that's not in the agreement, correct? That's my understanding. Yeah, so they can do what they want on a team-by-team basis. No, but the players still have rights that transcend individual teams. Right, and on certain teams, the Eagles, the Dolphins, well, the Dolphins are the other way. I don't think they care. Jeffrey Lurie, I don't think he cares whether they kneel or not. But if you're an owner, if you're Steve Ross, if you're Jerry Jones, and the owner says, I want you standing at attention with your helmet, to me, you got to do it. And I think with Kaepernick, you know, I think by taking it, first of all, the thing that irks me about him, and I don't really care, I mean, I do care, but I understand his point of view and I admire him because, in a sense, he's paid a pretty heavy price for that point of view. I don't admire what he did with the police and wearing the pig socks and that was ridiculous. But hey, he's, you know, like Muhammad Ali, he took a point of view and he's paying the price for it, sort of, after Nike, less of a price. But anyway, putting all that to the side, here's a guy who's led his team to like two wins. They were two and 14. You're the starting quarterback. What you should be focusing on is the playbook and winning more than two games. And clearly what he was focused on was something else. And if I'm an employer, that's like, I don't need this. And I think that's kind of why he's been blackballed. Yeah, but, it's, but, but it's unusual that another team... It's not his team, priority. But with some of the play that we see at the quarterback position, it's unusual that another team wouldn't sign him. No and, doubt. And give him a chance and see how he behaves. He may, Maybe he'll conform if, if a team has requirements. We don't know. Um, I think it's absolutely absurd that this guy's not playing in the NFL. And I think it's even more absurd that Ray Rice is not playing in the NFL. Let me ask you a question, though. If you're an NFL owner, Stephen, and you did your own internal research and you saw that, let's say you're the Baltimore Ravens, that 20% of your fan base is not going to buy season tickets, is not going to watch you on, would you then sign the guy? No, that, that, that's your prerogative. I'm not disagreeing. You're saying it's, it's... I don't think that's the case. I think we have to see if the guy comes in and plays well and wins games for his team and, and conforms, so you, you would take and conforms that risk. with the rule. What, what's the risk? You can sign him to a contract that enables you to cut him. It's the NFL. Anything goes in the NFL when it comes to cutting players. This guy's never playing again, though, at this point. I mean, he's been out kind of like Ray Rice. I mean, time just went by and it's, you know, your shelf life is done. I mean, I'd be, sh- I'd, I would be shocked if Kaepernick ever plays again in the NFL. I would agree. Dice? Um, I don't know. He's young enough that I'll say, I'll never say never. Maybe a Harbaugh when he comes back in the NFL want to get could together be, yeah. with his old quarterback. Could be. Maybe he's got a year of eligibility when we get him back in Michigan. All right. So, so last, you know, can't do a show without it. So when we last met, different president of the United States, uh, you know, I said, reigning person of the year, Angela Merkel. We were talking about how Trump kind of got screwed on that one, and 
you know, time life didn't have the, the guts or couldn't I handle the I truth. Think I, I think I dissented from that. I think you did too. But uh, he won it the next year. And, uh, and truthfully, I mean, he could win it every year in perpetuity. I mean, the guy has an unbelievable knack for, for stirring the pot, uh, you know, for better or worse. So on Trump, where are we? Uh, well, I think we are exactly where I said we were three years ago. He's he's a vile, vile, vile human being. But I will admit, I will admit that I don't disagree with every one of his policies. Although I will not, for public consumption, tell you which of his policies I agree with. Good idea. Where <laughs> where are we? I would agree for the most part. He he's a terrible role model for the country, for the world, for kids, for adults, for elderly people. But. You know, the country is, other than all the crazy noise going around, the country's doing fairly well. And if he doesn't get indicted or impeached, I think he's going to be the president for another six years. Like in the last, let's go back to, to like modern time, you know, pick a time. Since 1932, just to pick a random one. <laughs> Has there been another figure in American history just this dominant? I mean, no. Yeah, I, I think we can think go back of- to 1776 if you want. No. Nobody's ever been like this. He he just sucks all the energy out of every room. He, he's a vacuum for attention. It's incredible. And the media is the great enabler. I'm thinking. I'm thinking about 1932. I mean, I would think that the only the, the, only the person last I'd years say, of the Hoover administration. No, but if we're talking uh, sports figures. You could say Michael Jordan or Tiger Woods at times. But I would say he oh, he but does this is much bigger than that. Yeah, he I mean. does. He does. I don't know if uh, if Tiger would agree. But he does um, uh, know how to, how to grab attention. I, I will give him that. He's brilliant at it. And uh, I'll tell you what else he's brilliant at. He's brilliant at not really, really caring very much about what other people think about him. At no, least, at least, at least not, not in public. Yeah, I think, I mean, if you look at United States historical figures, you know, I say FDR, Ronald Reagan, Donald Trump. I mean, I think those are those are the three transcendent figures. And I think, you know, but nobody was talking about I, Ronald Reagan day and night, no, I agree. day and night. I, I mean, I wasn't around for FDR. Um, I agree. Even I during he, Bill Clinton's Monica Lewinsky era, that four or six month period of freneticism, I think the average Trump day is more crazy than even those days. It's yeah. every single day. Now, look, I think that I think that's where we are. That this is still, you know, a, a burning bright candle whether it burns out whether you know nobody can really tell i think nobody predicted we'd be here and you know to predict where we're going to be you know uh hopefully not but with our next uh you know michigas podcast time will tell who will last longer jim harbaugh or donald trump we should find that out in the next episode that's a great question maybe we'll leave it hanging there last final thoughts dice uh i would say hopefully jim harbaugh final thoughts just generally I do think that America will survive all the bad actions of Donald Trump in terms of his character issues. And for all those who are so concerned about it, remember what Charles Barkley said, I'm not your role model, your parents are. Very profound. Final thought, Michigan wins on Saturday. Michigan wins the following Saturday. And Donald Trump is still our president on January 19th, 2021. And with that, we welcome ourselves back and we'll see you on our next episode of Michigas.